Welcome to the Stratcom podcast series. I'm Omar Kablan. I'm a presenter at Tiati Welt, and I host a show called Double Check. Today, we'll be talking about the environment, communications, and green technology. I have with me Dr. Sharon George, who's a senior lecturer and course director in environmental sustainability and green technology, and a researcher in Tills Institute for Sustainable Futures. Dr. Sharon George, thanks for joining us. So just to kick it off, I want to ask you, what do you think are the best ways, the best methods to communicate clearly to a larger audience the key environmental issues we face today? Well, I think we need to include um, society in developments around clean technology. I think some of the problems that we've had are where the public more widely have not seen the importance of or or actually not trusted scientists in in certain developments in society we can see we can see that through things like um, genetic modification and some very some very controversial technology development in our history but i think with clean technology with the need for the cutting of carbon emissions i think it's really important to communicate impact that these technologies can have and be honest about the cost and about how difficult and to manage expectations around how much these technologies can really deliver. So with clean energy, for example, the resources are there, the technology is there. So why adapt clean technology, clean energy at you know nation state levels? Why aren't countries quickly turning it around to clean energy? Why do we have to continue with some of the, the older methods of, of energy, which are harmful for the environment? Well, I think what, what's happened is that we, we as, as humans, we've been very successful at technology development and we've been able to develop our economies and manufacturing. But unfortunately, all of that has been based on fossil fuels. So our, our current manufacturing and our current, you know, in the colder countries, like we massively rely on, on fossil fuels for heating in the winter. Um, you know, we've become... Um, almost addicted to fossil fuels and it's too difficult for us to just simply pull those away and the amount of energy that we need as society is is enormous compared to what we can currently produce with renewables but renewables are catching up um so we, we're in this this transition phase where we're gradually replacing the the current technologies that we have and the current energy sources that we have with renewables but that's going to take time. And of course, with some of the, the use of energy that we have at the moment, that's based on traditional fossil fuel infrastructure. And that's not cheap to replace when we go into new systems, especially when we want to include renewables and maybe move away from things like gas and oil to more electric systems. And one thing I realise about moving on to renewable, renewable energy is that I feel like people are also scared of this form of change. Maybe it could be for reasons of job security. Um, it might be for other reasons. But do you think this type of fear exists in many societies? I absolutely do, for all sorts of reasons. So we see um, some technologies. In the past, we've, we've seen, we, we call it nimbyism, not in my backyard, where things like wind energy has been very difficult um, to develop where areas are impacted, where people can see turbines, so demonstrations have happened, and particularly around concerns 
where there's concerns around cost and, and public acceptance. Um, but I think that is changing. That's getting better. And I think that I think it all comes down to um, it, it does come down to an understanding. And I think that means that those of us working in the sector, in academia and in, in renewable industries need to include more of the public and more businesses to transition over. Not a perception that, that clean technology is going to somehow be a threat to livelihoods and to current way of working, but it's just a different way of doing it. So I think actually to sort of help for people to transition over to that and to see it more of an adaptation rather than a, a threat. And in the news, every now and then we see, you know, new reports released about emissions. We see international conferences being held about climate change, other environmental issues. We saw the COP26 recently. How important are these types of conferences, these reports? Are they actually making a change? Do you think they're changing things on the ground? I think they definitely have um, an impact in bringing countries together and challenging countries on things like targets um, for renewable energy development. And they're a good way of us holding countries to account over progression. But I'm not sure that enough is done to engage everyone in those processes. I think sometimes it can feel to people as if that's something that's happening somewhere else. You know, what, what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me in my everyday life? And I think we can do more to connect people every, in their everyday lives with this agenda that affects each and every one of us profoundly. And can you please explain what green technology is? Obviously, all of us are you know, involved with technology in our daily lives, but can you just explain what green technology is? Yes, um, so the word green has become synonymous with um, sustainable. And when we talk about green technology, generally it, it encompasses um, ways of, of doing things using um, renewable technology. It, re it encompasses um, ways of doing things that are more sustainable so they don't impact the ability of future generations to supply their needs with resources and create harm through environmental damage. So it, it's really about doing things more efficiently, better, using resources more efficiently so that they have less impact. So this can include energy generation, like renewable energy generation, but it can also include ways of doing things more efficiently, like um, in terms of managing our water or reducing pollution. So, you know, green technology can be a very wide term um, applying to processes and products. And, you know, lately I've been seeing these kind of actually beautiful photos of green housing emerging around the world. Uh, this concept, concept of, um, you know, involving green environmental friendliness into city architecture. Can you talk us about that? Do you think, you know, when we're looking ahead, when we talk about green technology, we're talking about green architecture, we're slowly going to get to a point where, you know, everything we do is going to be environmentally friendly? Oh, I hope so. This is, um, you know, this is very much about a move towards, instead of 
you know, at the moment we, we're moving away from a fossil fuel based system where everything that we do, everything that we use, the buildings that we, we use and work and live in are all designed around fossil fuels. But um, new buildings are being designed and actually green that have integrated, not, not just in terms of the building, but in terms of the, the way that transport systems work, the way that people live, and so that you can you know, use public transport more easily, that we can use more integrated systems that, that are more efficient in terms of, not just in terms of what we use in terms of our energy, but like our resources that we use as well, the way we consume and what happens to our waste. And having that circular system, not just on an individual household level, but in cities. And I think as we move towards the future, I think we have to think about our impact and think about planning for the future, not just in our everyday actions on a personal level. But I think we will see this planning embedded across the the way that our cities and workplaces are, are planned. And, you know, there's this argument that, for example, that environmental issues, climate change, these are more pressing for the first world or developed high income, high income economies and that low income economies or developing countries, it's not a problem for them because they have other major problems on their agenda. Do you think that this uh, the environment in particular is a, is a first world problem or do you think it's a global problem? How do you think it should be dealt with in that sense? I think it's definitely a global problem. Um, I think that one of the issues is that those those countries that have the means to do something about it are the ones that are consuming the most and having the most impact. But the impact is being seen on those countries that have the least power to do anything about it because of their economies. So I think what needs to happen is we need to have that joined up global approach where the global north and global south work together. And I think that we we shouldn't, climate change doesn't respect borders. It doesn't care whether a country is, is, you know, can afford to change or can't. It will happen regardless. And the emissions that one country produce will have an effect beyond their own borders. And I think we need to think globally when we're tackling these problems and stop, you know, addressing this as, as, as if it's, you know, one country's problem, one country's target, one country's impact. We need to start thinking more globally about these issues because we are seeing countries now where the, the impact is being seen now through sea level rise, through storm damage and loss of life. We're seeing climate change refugees and, and those countries that are feeling that have the least voice, whereas I'm not sure that there's very much awareness of the actual impact and, you know, in terms of, of serious damage and loss of life in, among the citizens of those countries that are having those impacts. And that's something we seriously need to address with some urgency. So recently I was also covering a story about Indonesia and how they're moving their capital Jakarta because of rising sea levels. And, you know, one of the major reasons for it is uh, climate change as well as their infrastructure. But for example, that's a direct response to climate change. Do you think general, generally with um, issues like the environment, people, governments, institutions tend to wait till something happens directly to, to start changing policy? 
Well, I think that's that sadly is that that is what we're seeing. It's only when we we're literally seeing the planet burn, we're seeing the fires in Australia and the, the floods uh, across, you know, the, the floods of family across Africa. And that we're seeing these huge changes in weather patterns and, and in climate that, that are causing natural disasters that are actually, you know, <laughs> there's no denying um, when, when we see these impacts that the link that's made with, with um, climate change. And I think, unfortunately, up until now, it's been kind of too easy to for, for governments to kind of say, well, you know, this impact happening, but it's it, it can't justify, um, you know, spending this much money or making this change. It's going to impact us economically. And I think now we're seeing these impacts and realising that actually there's an impact on human life and huge um, economic impacts as well. These impacts are affecting agriculture and trade, and they're going to affect things like water resources on a, on a massive scale. That, and now we are seeing, and I think this is one of the important links with economy that will be a major driver for, for government change. And when we, when we talk about change, I mean, if when you look towards the future as an expert on these issues, are you optimistic about the speed of change or are you pessimistic about how things are moving forward? How do you project the future? I think um, I've, I've, I've been quite pessimistic actually about and frustrated that there hasn't been enough change happening. But sadly, as you just said, when we start to see these impacts around the world, now people are taking notice and, and politicians are taking notice and they're realising that actually you can't sit there and do nothing. That's going to have a cost. That's going to have a financial cost and a cost to, to citizens around the world. So um, I think I'm more optimistic now that I'm seeing um, ambitious targets being set and, and starting to see that pace pick up. I'd like to see it pick up more um, and relatively optimistic. I think we have to be optimistic. Um, there's too much at stake. And do you think that, for example, um, in your area of research now and your circle, your colleagues, uh, students, do you feel like the awareness of these problems has grown immensely over the last several years? Um, yes, actually. The awareness and green technology, the role of green technology in climate change and in, in, in actually the, the desire to find solutions has massively increased among not just among academics, but among students and, and society. People want to know, they're noticing these impacts and they want to know what the answers. And they're realising that the answer is actually quite complicated and, and complex. But we are seeing more students choosing um, subject around civility and we're seeing combinations of sustainability and management, sustainability and engineering, where um, there is a focus on solving these giant problems that we have. And, and that gives me hope. So we're seeing massive acceleration in, in technologies. So hydrogen technology is something we're going to see a lot more. Energy storage is seen as a massive, um, you know, as a huge facilitator to help these, these solutions be more impactful. And, and I think that, again, gives me hope that in combination with governments investing more in this technology drive and more public awareness and and that then brings with it um uh, not so where, where before we might have to develop a technology and push it out 
people are ready. There's a receptive world out there needing this technology to welcome this technology when, when it's ready. And I think if, you know, I think with, this is what gives me hope. I think the conditions are there and the will's there. And we, sh- we shouldn't give up. We should just keep pushing at this. But we can't take our our focus off the, the race that we have against rising CO2 levels and, and other greenhouse gases like methane and addressing those alongside this, this relentless need for better technologies, better systems and a change in our societal behaviour and consumption. On that hopeful note, Dr. Sharon George, I'd like to thank you for an enlightening discussion on these very critical issues. No problem. Thank you for joining the Stratcom podcast. Okay, thank you.